Thank you so much for joining me in this broadcast. I trust that you're going to be impacted by the message of grace. Today I'm going to talk a little bit from first or Second Peter chapter 1 and um, about the gospel and grace and the effect of the gospel in our lives. It's important to know that we are saved from the law uh, which, was, which were bearing fruit in our lives unto sin and death unto a new system. Uh, which is the law of life in Christ Jesus, producing the life of God in us. Um, that's what I'm going to talk about today. So let's just first pray together and uh, ask the Lord to just empower me to, to preach this in a way that you can understand it. Father, thank you so much for the Gospels. Thank you so much for the Word. Thank you so much for the ability that you give man by the Holy Spirit to preach the Gospel. Father, thank you that you inspire me by the Holy Spirit and give me an utterance, a way in which to say this with examples that's practical, that can make it understandable to people. Thank you for that, my God, because we want to see your gospel bearing fruit in the lives of people. Amen. Amen. (coughs) Well, thanks again for slotting in if you're watching this live broadcast. What an honor to have you online. Uh, if you're not watching this, you're watching the, re- the, the rebroadcast or where it's archived, you're just as welcome. It's good to know that there are people that watch this on a constant basis that says, man, I love the way you minister the word. Thank you for everybody that sends me encouraging messages on Facebook. Um, you know, and let me know that they like, the, man, they just like the way I preach. Thank you so much for that. It's encouraging to, 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 to see that. And like the one lady said back there, it's wonderful that I could listen to your messages and learn a lot over the last two years and I could also see how you've been learning more about grace. And that's awesome to know, you know, and that's what we want to talk about in First Peter. It talks about um, grace and peace being multiplied unto us. So there's a place where we can understand the grace of God in a deeper way. There's a place where we can understand or apply the grace of God in more areas of our lives And um, without really understanding the true meaning of the word grace, we cannot understand these scriptures in in 2 Peter. But I want to preach from this. One thing I want to say for sure, and that is that we need to know, is that this gospel is a gospel that saves us and gives us a new life. We are not just simply saved from the law system. You can be saved from the law system. That means that um, you've been loosed from the system that says by your works you will be saved. But you can still not have been partaking of the tree of life. You can still be at a place where you can now choose between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. If, you, if you're at a place where you must still choose between the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you are just as dead as a person that has, part, that has not been partaking of the tree of life. You haven't made your choice. And I think that is where many Christians are today. I've seen many people in grace churches, <coughs> um, and I don't say it's their fault. The fault can be from, from what is preached from the pulpit, what, where the focus is, is put, where people say, well, I've, stopped, I, I'm, I've been set free from a life of seeking justification by my works. And um, if that is all people believe is in the mercy of God, saying God treats me better than I deserve, and they don't believe in the grace of God that empowers them to a new life, you will live a defeated life. 
you will do the same things you've done when you were under the law. You know, when we were under the law, when we were under the system of you shall not desire, you shall not drink, you shall not uh, uh, smoke, you shall not uh, cheat around, you shall not do this, you shall not do this, we found a lot of sin manifesting in our lives. And that was as a result of the law. The law was bearing fruit in our lives. And we made our members available for the law to bear its fruit in our lives. Now the Bible says, make your members available unto God, so that God now can bear fruit in your life. So, under the law system, there was something that worked sin in us, so that Paul said, it was not I who sin, but the sin in me. He used that same terminology towards the positive, where he said, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Now I want you to understand this, and let me repeat this. When Paul was under the law, he said, It was not I who sinned, but the sin that was in me that sinned. And when he was under grace, he said, It was not I who lived, but Christ who lives in me. So he said, under the law, the law or sin that was inside him used the law as an opportunity to manifest its sinfulness. And under grace, uh, uh, this gospel we believe, the good news we believe, the the, the Holy Spirit uses the opportunity of what we believe to manifest the life of Christ in us. So if we come to a place, and I want to tell you this, um, and, and it is a problem that I've seen in, uh, in, in, in people's lives that believe the gospel of grace, or that, that believe a part of the gospel of grace, that say, well, I'm not under the law anymore, that we find that there's no change of life. The life is still a defeated life. It's a life where, where people still struggles with the things that they struggled with when they were in the world. They still struggle with addiction. They still struggle with all those things. Now, I don't preach this as an accusation, but I share this from the perspective of deliverance and victory that comes effortless through the gospel of grace by believing the whole gospel by believing the truth about the gospel and the effect that the gospel has now um, you might say Bertie I've been listening to, you, listening to you many times and um, you know I don't want to be scared that you're going to now dump me into the law system now that is the problem that I've seen so many times is the moment we talk about works or I, 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 let me put it this way when we talk about good works then people are scared. Or when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, people identify it with the law. You should never identify good works with the law. There's a big difference between good works and dead works. Dead works is an attempt to do good works by your own efforts. So if I come and I talk about good works, and you feel, oh, a law is being put upon me, it's because you are still living in the law. Is because you say good works comes by my effort. So the moment I mention good works, you feel like a resistance in your heart towards it. Um, and that is just, that is simply a manifestation of a law belief in your heart. I want to tell you that good works is a manifestation that comes because of a revelation of what Jesus Christ has freely given to you and a revelation of believing who and what you really are. You know, Paul came to a place where he said, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, 
temperance and all those things. Um, and he was at a time when he said, well, I'm not going to seek justification by the law. I'm not going to seek righteousness by my works. And he simply believed the gospel, not seeking to do the good things that the law commanded, but simply believing this gospel and believing that he has been recreated into the very image and likeness of Jesus and of the Father. <clears throat> when Paul believed that, he came to a revelation and he said, when I was under the law, I saw th these things in my life, but when I was under grace, I saw these good works in my life, and I found that there's no law even against these things. Paul never knew what the good news would produce in his life. He was like uh, the guinea pig. He was the one that was used by God to see what will happen if a man believes the whole gospel. When Paul believed the whole gospel, there were certain things that, that started to manifest in his life. Now, the focus is not the manifestation. The focus is the belief of the fullness of the gospel. The fullness of the gospel is this. <clears throat> Jesus Christ came to remove a system that brought death in your life and He saved you from the law unto a new system which is called the law of life in Christ Jesus which manifests the fruit of the nature of God and the attributes of the character of God in the life of a person. So when you get a rid from the law or rid of the law, you say, thank God that I got rid of a system that says, by my works I am saved, that manifested all these sins in my life. And if a sin should manifest in my life, there's no condemnation for me. But thank God that I'm now under a system that can manifest and empowers me to manifest the nature of God in my life, which is not measured by the law, but which is measured by the very being of God. Isn't that awesome? And I, I believe that is why Paul also said, you know, enter to, uh, uh, labor to enter into the rest of God in the book of Hebrews. Or if you want to call it the writer of the book of Hebrews, um, like I've said so many times, which I believe is Paul, because there's so many just ways of saying that lines up with the way Paul wrote before. Now, if, if, if the writer of the book of Hebrews came and he said, labor to enter into the rest, and the focus was, don't be under the law, be under the grace for the purpose of the manifestation of the attributes of God in your life because the attributes of God in your life is what guards your life so that you will not fall away from the truth of the gospel. Now, I want to say that again. Um, and we're going to read that in Peter now, but I want to lay, lay a nice foundation. When uh, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote the book, he wrote the book for a certain purpose. And the purpose of writing it was that they could move on to a full belief, maturity of this gospel. And he said, by this time you ought to have been teachers. And when Paul said teachers, and you connected with what he wrote to Timothy, a teacher of the gospel is somebody who's got his life in order. It's somebody whose life is manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So he says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you are still in need of milk. You're still under the law. And you are still desiring the law. So we need to come and lay these basic things in front of you, but we're not going to lay these basic things in front of you if you heard it and rejected it. But if Christ says, 
lay it again in front of them, we will do it. And then he said to them, we want you to be in this gospel, that you can believe this gospel, so this gospel can bear fruit in your life, so that when Jesus comes, that you might be saved. Now, that sounds complicated, but you need to understand that, and let me give you a good example. If you are married, and you're in the gospel of grace, yesterday I did a marriage, and and, uh, a wedding, and and this is what I preach. I preach, stick to the gospel of grace, so the gospel of grace can bear fruit in your life, because that fruit in your life is the foundation for a very good mess, a, 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 a very good marriage. You cannot say, I believe in the gospel of grace. I'm drunk all the time. I swear at my wife all the time. I'm all the time impatient. I can never say a good word to my wife or my husband. I party with my friends all the time and think you're going to have a a wonderful marriage because you're in grace. (laughs) No. Grace is going to produce the things in your life that is the building blocks for a healthy marriage. So, we cannot, and I I, I want to say this again, you will be sure of salvation. Now, this is going to sound like a contradiction, but it's not, and we're going to read in Peter. You can be sure of your salvation when you see the fruit of the gospel manifesting in your life. If you've got no fruit of the gospel manifesting in your life, the chance that you will fall away from your faith is so big. I've seen it so many times when, 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 when people look at, uh, uh, um, when they don't have fruit, if they don't have peace because of what the gospel says, if they don't have uh, a joy because of what the gospel says, if they seek their justification by money and all those things, they don't have the fruit of the Spirit, but they still stick under the old way, you find a couple of years down the line, because of a lack of understanding, they cannot bear fruit in their lives. And because there's no fruit in their lives, they don't believe the gospel anymore. And that's what Peter basically says in, uh, in his first chapter, which is very, very powerful. I want to tell you the power of the law manifested certain works in your life. And we gave ourselves wholeheartedly to that. People would go and wholeheartedly uh, um, have a language, you know, which, which they speak, foul language, uh, that is a disgrace. You know, let me tell you something. You can, I can be in the company of people where they will say a wrong word here and there and will not bother me. But <laughs> there are certain meetings you go to, or especially if you hang out with, with sinners, where the way they speak, man, it is simply just vulgar. You, uh, you don't want to be around it. It's like pollution. It's like, man, it's the dirt inside a man just coming forth. And that is not supposed to be in the life of a Christian. Now, I don't say it cannot be in the life of a Christian. I don't say that if it is in the life of a Christian, he's not saved. I'm not saying that. But what I say is, there's a much better life. And why are we, when we were under the law... We gave our lives for that, for that was working in our lives, and now we continue with our habit. Now, open your life for the gospel and the effect of the gospel. There's an effect that the gospel has in our lives. That effect is love for people. 
it's a change of way of talk. Not because, well, I'm not supposed to swear, so I'm not going to do it. But there's a respect for people that come. There's just a natural holiness that comes. Hallelujah. So when we were under the law, we said, well, I'm just a human being, you know, and I'm ju- I just sin. When we're under grace, we just say, well, I'm just born again. I've got the new person living in me. Uh, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, having a confident expectation for the manifestation of the fruit. Amen. When a farmer farms um, and he sows seed, what is his expectation? His expectation is the harvest and the fruit of what he has sown. In the same way with this gospel. When I believe this gospel, my expectation is the fruit that this gospel can bear in my life. Now I say all of this because there's a verse we're going to read here that can confuse you completely. And I want you to understand that verse. So, one thing we know for sure is that we need a multiplication of grace. In other words, it's not when I get saved the day or when I go to a church, I hear the message of grace. The word grace means influence. How God has influenced the human race. How has He influenced us? He's taken away the system that says, by your works you'll be righteous. Okay, but then there's a multiplication of grace through the acknowledgement of what God has done, which we need to acknowledge. And then we can say, and, and it, it, it expands um, through an acknowledgement of what has already happened. Now, God doesn't have new revelation. He doesn't have hidden revelation that He's only revealing now. It is us who comes to the realization of the simplicity of the gospel which simply is, he's changed the law, he's taken away the law system, brought his spirit as a new way of life unto the very life of Jesus, including the manifestation of the characteristics and attributes of God in human flesh, through acknowledgement of what Christ has done for us. So, we acknowledge his spirit manifests. That's what it is. So, we cannot come to a mediocre gospel where we say, well, you know, under the law, the law influenced me unto this, and that was called sin, so now there's no more sin, because there's no more law, which I agree, therefore I can continue with the old life, under the old influence, and the law still bearing fruit in my life. No, no. We cannot allow the law to bear fruit in our life, so we don't belong to the law. We belong to Christ, and the fruit of the gospel. Amen. That's what we belong to. And I believe the time, the, the, the time has always been there and it's time to preach the gospel in full, including the manifestation, so that we can expect that manifestation. Hallelujah. So, um, I, I want to say this. When we were under the law, sin worked in us to a way that it, it was producing the, the, the sin in our lives. Now, Paul came and he said there, when I was under grace, I saw that I was free. Free from what? Free from the manifestation of the things that killed me when I was under the law. So, when you're under grace, you're going to see a manifestation. Now, I don't say, fake the manifestation. What I say is, if you don't see any manifestation, and you don't see any change, you might still be under the law. Thinking you're under grace. 
when you're under grace, you be, you've come to a realization that as He is, so am I. To the point that that faith influences your life. I said yesterday at the, at the wedding, when you believe something, what you believe manifests in your life. If you believe that Jesus is a dictator ruling over the church, you will rule over your life like a dictator. The way you run your business, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your staff, is a direct resemblance of what you believe. If you are short-tempered with people all the time, it is because of what you believe. You believe God is short-tempered and you don't believe that they are valuable. That is how some believes. Because what, if you believe 100% that there will be an atom bomb dropped on your town two days from today, your faith will empower you to do something. In the same way, when we believe, because the, 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 the word of an atom bomb that will be dropped on this town finds its power in your belief. In the same way, the power of the Holy Spirit finds its access into your life through your belief. And by your belief, you will find not your, your life, your effort to try and change, but you'll find the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in your life. Hallelujah. And I tell you, we're not going to... Uh, uh, um, some of you might be upset with me for preaching this. Uh, I don't want you to be. Because I want you to have a life of victory. A life of joy. A life of peace. Amen. A life where your finances doesn't determine your joy. A life where your works does not determine your joy. And a life where you can see the nature of God manifesting in your life. Let's quickly turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I want to say again, if you don't bear fruit, it does no, no indication that you are not saved, that you're not loved of God, that, that you're not the apple of God's eye, that He can only say good things about you. I want to tell you the truth. Uh, we, we are talking simply about bearing fruit here. We are not talking, we're talking about being a living epistle. That's what we're talking about. We, we are not talking about, um, you know, if you sin, then God cannot love you, God cannot bless you. Listen, you can have a defeated life and have a God that loves you. You know, I can have a son that doesn't believe that I love him, or I can have a son that believes that I love him, but doesn't, uh, that rejects certain things about me, and live a life that's completely defeated, you know, have a life where he's only addicted to drugs, having no joy, having no peace, having no relationship with his father or mother, never phoning home, never loving us, having nothing to do with us, and I can still send him money, I can still pay for his university, I can still do all those things. I don't have a son like that. My oldest son is uh, uh, going to, to high school now. But just to give you an example, because there might be people like that, you love him with all your heart. He's still the apple of, his, of your eye. You say good things about him. It doesn't change your heart. It doesn't change your bad works. It doesn't change God's attitude towards you. 
But when you start to believe the fullness of the gospel, you will have an influence in your life that makes your life better in this world and it protects your faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you read the Bible, I've, I've seen it in people's lives that believe grace. I've seen in the life of a person that believes grace, that preached grace, and then later on uh, said that they're homosexual. The moment they did that and got into a relationship, a homosexual relationship, a gay relationship, moved into the same house with some of of the same sex and lived together, they say they still believe the gospel of grace. And I do believe that it is so. But I found so much doubt coming out of those people's mouths and in their lives. There's no more joy when it comes to the gospel. Whenever we open the Bible to preach the gospel of grace without condemning them or even putting, talking about works, simply only talking about Jesus, there's a veering away. Because they are in a battle and a war. And the battle and that war is, their works is preaching, the the works are preaching to them 24-7 that the gospel of Jesus does not work and they are showing the signs of fatigue fighting against that system. God only says good things of them. God doesn't take their bad works into account. God loves them. God is merciful towards them. But their works are killing them. It is like that. I've, I tell you, I've seen how... Uh, uh, the, the thing that I have... Let's talk about alcohol abuse, for instance. I don't believe that you... And, and this is the way I, I, I believe it. This is my... What I feel in my heart. And you can do whatever you like. You are free. But you, you don't go to a function. Like last night, I've been to a... To, to a wedding and we had the meal afterwards and I would drink a glass of wine there. If, it's, if I'm in a place where people will be offended, I will not do it. Uh, because I'm not addicted to wine. I can not drink wine for two months. No problem. There's no addiction. But if there's wine and I want to drink a glass of wine, I will do it. I will not do it under the pressure of people. Um, and I will not drink wine until I feel just relaxed so that I can start to chat. I don't do it that way. Because I don't want that to destroy my life. I'm not going to do that. I will drink one glass of wine or a half or a quarter glass. You don't have to fill the thing up. If you want to taste it and enjoy it, you do it that way. So, all that I'm saying is, if I would last night, for instance, had three glasses of wine and be drunk or just mellow, today I would struggle and have to quote 20 scriptures of the grace of God to fight against condemnation. Because that deed will preach to me. It's no indication that God doesn't love me. It's no indication that I will not be saved. It doesn't say that I'm not the apple of God's eye. It doesn't say that I'm not victorious in Christ. It doesn't remove my place where I'm seated in Jesus. But it's something that's going to be used by the enemy against me. And whenever I read the Bible and I get to scriptures like where Paul wrote 
don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then I'll have to try and justify myself. And all of a sudden, reading the Bible, Christianity becomes this massive, difficult thing. Where you are empowered by God through acknowledgement of what Christ has done, looking into the mirror, not forgetting what kind of man you are, you are empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit to the point uh, unto holiness and unto a life which is condemnation free, where the law cannot even accuse you, where you can have absolute peace and absolute joy. Now you say, Bertie, do you always have have that time when you've got everything correct in your life? No, I don't. Should I sin? Should I do something that wants to preach condemnation to me? I've got an advocate with the Father. But the Bible clearly states, let's not use our liberty as an occasion for the flesh. Now, what does that mean? Don't believe the gospel of grace in such a small way that the law can still live in your life. What is an occasion for the flesh? Let's go to Romans chapter 7. I haven't even gone into... How long have I preached now? Do you have any... 30 minutes. Okay, thank you, Vessel. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. It says here, Paul says, I need to read from verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law that be... Listen to me. Now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held. In other words, that being dead where we, wherein we were held. Or in other words, in simple English, now we are delivered from the law so that we don't have to be captive to death. That we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not the oldness of the letter. What shall I say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Now I have not known sin but by the law. For I have not known lust except the law said you shall not covet. But sin, listen to this, taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. Okay. So, what he says here is that when he was under the law, sin manifested in his life. He says, and that was a death wherein he was held. But now, God has removed the law so that the death that the law manifests in your life, which destroys your life through lust and all those things, could be taken out of your life because out of your, by your own effort you could never take it out. So now God comes without you even trying, but fully acknowledging what Jesus has done by the Spirit empowers you unto the very characteristics of God. Amen. Which is a new life. So it says, but sin taking occasion by the commandment. So Paul comes and he says, sin takes its occasion by the commandment. And that he also, if you read the whole book of uh, or the whole chapter 7, 8 here, he calls that the flesh. The manifestation of the flesh. 
So Paul says, he clearly says, he says, don't use, I think it's in Galatians, don't use the, the, uh, your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. In other words, don't have such a grace message mixed with the law that your flesh can still live. In other words, that sin or things, let me use the word sin because in grace circles um, we, we need to have a, a teaching where we can define the word sin in the New Testament. Let me use something else. The works of the flesh. So, what Paul says is, don't use your freedom in such a way that the works of the flesh still manifest. He says, use your freedom in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit manifests. Now, that is not you trying to copy the fruit of the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit living in you through a full acknowledgement, through a full persuasion of who you are and what kind of man you are. Hallelujah! That is the gospel. I tell you, I don't want to live a gospel where I fear all the time. I don't want to live a gospel when, when the news says, well, there's now swine flu and everybody's going to die and that, that I fear. I don't want to live a gospel where I am all the time feeling negative. I don't want to live and believe in a gospel where I struggle with addiction. No. There's a power in this gospel. And let me share with you the, the fruit of the power of this gospel. There's awesome things. Listen to this. The law could never produce this. You can never produce this. It's a fruit of the gospel of Jesus. And the reason why I talk about this is the same reason Paul talked about it. You can go and read uh, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. The first three chapters always talk about what Jesus has done for you. And the last chapters talk about the effect of that in your life. Amen. We're not going to be ashamed of this. We're going to be, I don't want to be, when it comes to finances, a stingy person. I don't want to think, well, I must give these people uh, two or three thousand rand, and I, I, I feel in my heart I want to bless them. I feel in my heart I want to give it to them. And, uh, and now, I must now quickly get five excuses of why not to do it. No, no, we want to see Christ manifesting in our lives. Having a full acknowledgement that I am set free from the fear of not having by a revelation that God is my provider forevermore. Hallelujah. Having a revelation of the heart of God when it comes to provision that He will provide for me free from my good works or bad works. He'll provide for me for He's a Father that cares for the birds of the air and having such a revelation of that that, I, that it removes my fear for not giving. So if I live with a fear for not giving, well, I cannot because there's all because they don't want. Listen, my friend, get a revelation. Go and open your heart for the unconditional love and provision of God. So that you can effortlessly find, and listen, I'm not saying, listen, go today and just confess and say, well, I confess, I am uh, not afraid to give. And then you give, being a fearful giver, confessing you're not afraid. I'm not talking about that. That's not a Christian life. That is, fake it till you make it, deceiving yourselves. What I'm talking about is going, making a real effort. Now you say, I don't want to even use the word effort. 
the Bible says, labor to enter into the rest, making time to hear how God provides for you, free from your works, how He will always provide for you, not taking your works into account, studying and uh, 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 expounding on broadening your mind concerning the nature of a father that provides for his children because of love that finds its origin in the heart of the father. When you get your mind saturated with that, not even focusing on, well, I want to try now to bear fruit, but focusing on that, you can have an expectation that generosity will flood your heart. But don't come and say, well, you know, thank you, Jesus, there's no condemnation for me. I can now, if I'm stingy, God doesn't uh, change His heart towards me, so now I'm going to give an opportunity for the flesh to live and for me to be free. Not to be condemned. That is not a life of victory, my friend. Let me put it this way. I don't even want to say that's not a life of victory. That's not what God intends for you. That's not God's plan for a person who's got this treasure of the revelation of Christ in an earthen vessel. There's certain things of the earthen vessel that God allows. But there's certain things where God has given us a wonderful life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians 5. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the result of being in the Spirit and the message of grace is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, Faith, faith, that word faith is not the, 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 the word faith, it's the word faithfulness. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now listen to verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. So, if you have find the origin of your life in what God has done, find the origin of your works in what God has done. And you'll have a joyful, peaceful life in this world. Amen. Now, let's go to Second Peter. Second Peter. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to. You know, when it, when, when it comes to um, the, the, the writings of Paul and the writings of James and all those people, they were talking about faith without works is dead and all those type of things. Talking about the effect of the gospel in the lives of people. When you believe the gospel of grace, the word in James, when you believe in the gospel of grace, you can't still go and sacrifice animals, man. No ways. Let me put it this way. If you believe in the gospel of grace, you can't fend for tithing anymore. No way. You have been liberated. You have been liberated. In other words, when it comes to tithing, for instance, well, I don't have to tithe anymore to be blessed. Hallelujah. You believe that and you act according to your belief by saying, I am not going to tithe to be blessed. 
That is your faith in action. But the fruit of that belief is love. And now love lives in your life and you are generous. And you start to give. Amen. From a generous heart. Thank you, my Father. And that is what we do in our finances. That's what we do with towards our children, towards our, uh, uh, your, your wife or your husband, towards your friends and whatever. Amen. Thank you, Father. This is part of the gospel, a manifestation of the life of Jesus. And we cannot get away from it. I thank God for that. This is my justification. We cannot only preach mercy and not grace. We cannot preach righteousness and not justification. We need to know that we are justified. It is the blood of Jesus that brought us our justification. Therefore, I shall not be bound by the things. I shall not have the things of the flesh living in my life. Hatred. Fear. All those things. Taking in account how rich a person is and then according to that having friendship with him. Man, Paul says, aren't you in the flesh if you do that? That's exactly what happened is you are living under the law. The law says the richer a man is, the more he's blessed of God. Now you want to sneak up to a guy and become friends with a guy because he's rich. It's like I spoke to uh, somebody on, on, on the internet and um, they were talking about driving in a car and dropping these big shots, you know. And then driving away saying they don't know who they've been with in the car. You know, that the big shots don't actually know how big they are. I was just thinking, my goodness. You know, what is this big shot thing now? There's one big shot, and that is Jesus Christ. And He's given us what he's, who He is became ours. And the moment that is your belief, you are free from the flesh and the passions of it by trying to get in favor with some big shot preacher um, so that you can have one drop of the anointing that falls from his cloak so that you can also say, well, I've got one drop of his sweat that fall or fell upon me and now I am the anointed, you know, and this is now going to last for two weeks. That's a sin. Let me tell you now, that's a sin. You're living in sin. Sin is unbelief in Jesus. You are manifesting your unbelief in Jesus Christ by teaching such a doctrine, believing such a doctrine, running after men of God like that. I don't want any... Listen, when I, when I go to the USA in February and some of you people come to my meetings and whatever, if you want to come and listen to the gospel, it's wonderful. If you love what I preach, thank you Jesus for that. But let me tell you something, I've got no anointing to give you. I can only teach you about the anointing you've got. I can lay hands on you and live in the anointing that I have. But I don't want a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. I don't want the fresh anointing. It's like Reinhard Bonker said, I've still got the first one. I didn't throw it away. Hallelujah. And let me tell you something, a fresh one that you get is only your reactivation or a, a, a belief in what you've already have and possess all the time. 
It's just because you, you believe it, you feel good for five seconds or a minute or a day, and then you go and look into the old the wrong mirror again, look into the law, and they, that's why you need a fresh touch. Then you go and you get your fresh touch again, and all the fresh touch is, it is just a, a, a reminding of what you truly have. And now we get these doctrines of all these things. Being in the flesh, living a life of defeat, seeking the anointing. And that is killing you, my friend. God has come to set the church free. Hallelujah. And we're not going to use our freedom for an occasion to the flesh. And we are the people of God, having the nature of God, having the belief of God in us, and having the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our lives. And we're not settling for anything less, for that is the full price that Jesus Christ paid. What a... What a sad day when we believe we're the righteousness of God, but we don't have any justification in our lives. It's like a man that's in jail, that has, that's got a right to be, to be set free. The door is unlocked, but he doesn't walk out of the cell. It's like somebody sitting in jail, the, the, uh, uh, the court decided he's not guilty, but he's never unlocked. And he never walks out of that jail and he sits there serving a life sentence that is not his. God has set us free, church. Amen. This gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel that empowers us to preach the gospel all over the world, to, 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 to give our lives as a, a living sacrifice unto the gospel of Jesus Christ, making our members available for the Holy Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, if we've been made righteous, allow justification in your life. Amen. Which is the manifestation of the new life. Oh, now how do I do that? I've just said it. <laughs> study the nature of God. As you study the nature of God, don't just see, well, this is a God only loving a sinner. Saying, see the fullness of the love of God. He loved the sinner and made the sinner new like Him. Thank you, Jesus, for this gospel. Amen. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, of them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. A couple of months ago I preached on this verse, such a powerful verse. Let me just quickly run through it and explain the depths of it. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. In other words, people, I write to them that has obtained the same faith as what we as apostles has and that God has. With us, how did we obtain, how did we get this faith? Through the righteousness, or the other word for righteousness there is good thing done, of God and of Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus is so righteous, we've obtained something that we can now believe. It says, grace and peace, to you that already believe this, be multiplied unto you. So, grace has been given to you, you believe this. Now you want a continual experience of this grace. How? Through the knowledge. That word knowledge in the Greek there is acknowledgement. There's a great difference between knowledge and acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is an agreement with correct knowledge or with knowledge. So, 
if somebody comes and says that the South Africa, South Africa rugby team is the best rugby team in the world, which they are, and you believe that, the, it, the, the effect of that doesn't come with the knowledge you get concerning that. The effect of that knowledge comes with your acknowledgement of it, your belief of it, your agreement with it. Amen. So, grace and peace. The influence of God, that's the word grace, upon your heart, with the act that grace is the influence upon your belief system, the acting out in your life that includes gratitude. That's grace. That's the fullness of grace. The, the belief, the change of belief, the manifestation in your life, including gratitude. Peace is the emotion of no indebtedness. Let that be, become stronger in your life through your acknowledgement of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, to acknowledge God, to acknowledge Jesus. And then, what does he say about God and Jesus? His righteousness, the good thing done by God. By acknowledging fully what God has done. He's taken away the law man, so that the works of the law shall not manifest in my life. He's given me a new man, the Holy Spirit, and from now the, the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is in my life, having a confident expectation of the return of Jesus, receiving an immortal body. That's the gospel. Verse 3. Now listen to this. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the acknowledgement of God and of the Lord Jesus, which is in 100% accordance to His divine power, and as He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the acknowledgement of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now listen to this. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So all things that pertains to this life and godliness in this world is through what? Through the acknowledgement of Him. So God gives you all things for free when you acknowledge that. Now acknowledgement is not your I acknowledge. You know, uh, your I acknowledge Nelson Mandela was president of, the, of South Africa. Your I acknowledge that... Uh, uh, Zuma is, Jacob Zuma is president of South Africa. I acknowledge that. It's not that type of acknowledgement. It talks about acknowledge, a heartfelt acknowledgement where you agree 100% with it and is behind it. Now he says here, he's given us all things, all things that pertains to this life and to godliness. Through what? Through your acknowledgement of him that has called you to glory and virtue or life, whereby are given unto us, through this Jesus, is given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises, that you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust or living under the law. Oh my goodness. Listen, this corruption under this world, by living by under the law. When you live under the law, you'll find decay in your life. 
It corrupts your character. It corrupts you, the, uh, your, your, your victorious life in this world. It corrupts the manifestation of the nature of God in this world. Now he says here, precious and great promises has been given to us. That we, what is this precious and great promises? It is the promise of having an immortal body in Jesus Christ. And I also believe it includes that when you believe you'll be made righteous and be justified by the blood of Jesus. Having escaped the corruption, he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. In other words, through Jesus, through this, what, what He's done, is given unto us great and precious promises, and I also believe it includes the acknowledgement of Him. Let's read it again. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the acknowledgement of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, it says, through His divine power, as we acknowledge Him, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the acknowledgement of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Okay, now it talks about Him. Whereby are given unto us, us acknowledging Him and Him, are given unto us great and exceeding and precious promises, that by these promises, not works, promises, believing in Jesus, we might be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah! It doesn't say believe in Jesus and be partakers of the flesh. Listen, the gospel of Jesus does not make you a partaker of corruption. It brings us and gives us the wonderful joy of being partakers of the godly nature of God. We've been saved from the law and its effects unto the, the, the grace message and its nature of God as a free gift. Now listen to this. We, when we receive this, what happened? When we receive this new nature, we have escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. And beside this, giving all thanks, add to your faith. Virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to no- so what he says here is, listen, to this faith that you have, believe in Jesus, that you're righteous by Jesus, and you've escaped the corruption of this world through lust, receiving the divine nature of God as a free gift. He says, add to that. In other words, define inside that nature. Uh, I think Francois Latoy preached a message where he says there, add to your faith. It means orchestrate. The same word we talks about having an orchestra and, and this, this guy that, uh, that's in front, you know, uh, I don't know the English word for him now, that comes and he's got this little stick and, he, and then he, he says, let the drums and let the violins and, the, and the, all these instruments, he calls them forth. That's what he says, out of this divine nature, you can call forth and say that I've got knowledge of Jesus, a greater acknowledgement of what is, what is given me, temperance. Patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. It says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. 
Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Now, he comes here, and I want to end off with this. He says, listen, when you believe in Jesus, you'll find these good works manifesting in your life. When you've believed upon Him, you found that corruption ended in your life and good things come. But now, you can even add to those good things. Knowledge. You can say, I've got greater acknowledgement. I've got more, just knowledge of Jesus. More knowledge of the gospel. Add to that knowledge. Add to that, to, to that knowledge temperance. Add to temperance patience. Add to patience godliness. Hallelujah. Add to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you are not barren or unfruitful in the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you, my friends, you are in Jesus Christ. You are acknowledging Jesus Christ. You can now also orchestrate and call forth a greater knowledge saying, and that's what I do when I read the Bible, when I am in my relationship with God, I say, thank you, Lord, that I have got the mind of Christ and the knowledge of God concerning the salvation message. When I read the Bible, thank you, Lord, I've got a confident expectation that to my faith, my persuasion that I have, I add the fact that when I read this Bible, I will see the depths of the revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. And I've got an expectation for the manifestation of that. I, I add to that <coughs> temperance and patience. Thank you, Lord, that I am patiently waiting for the Lord Jesus. When other people come with weird doctrines of, you know, immortality and having all those things right now, which will only come in Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that I know that I can expect by the power of the Holy Spirit, not my works, Patience to come forth in my life as I know your gospel. Brotherly kindness. Thank you, Lord, that when I see my brother, my believer friend in the gospel of grace, that I can, when I know I get to his presence, I will find a manifestation of kindness, which is the character trait of a person that delights to contribute to the happiness of others by granting their wishes, supplying their wants, lifting their distresses. Amen. That's, uh, that's what I expect when I get to my brother that believes also in the gospel of grace. And then also love and everything that is accompanied with that. And that's what I expect. And listen, by adding those things, it says you will not be barren or unfruitful. You'll be bearing fruit. It says there, and, and, and what I believe by that is it talks about you will not fall away from your faith. You will not be unfruitful. A guy who doesn't have that forgot that he was a believer. So I want to say to you, the person who believes in the gospel of grace, that sees no good works in his life, my friend, you need to hear the gospel. You need to hear the message of grace. You need to hear the message of God's influence upon your life. And not just know it as a message that says, well, God's not angry with me, but hear the fullness of it that says, it gives me the nature of God. My friend, you're going to have the nature of God anyway in heaven. You, in heaven, you're going to find the nature of God indwelling you. You're going to find the immortal body, which is like God. You cannot stop it. It's going to happen to you. We are only so privileged to have it 
a part of that which is the spiritual part and the mind part and the characteristics part now already. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That is what God has given us. Listen to this. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. So it says here that if you've got if you believe in the grace of God to the point that you see God living in you, you can be sure you're not going to fall away from the gospel of Jesus. But if you believe in the gospel of Jesus and there's an occasion for the flesh, you can be tempted in a way by the, because you're in such a difficult situation that condemns you so much that you can, your faith can be changed. Amen. Well, that's all I want to say today. Um, I, I, I hope you understand. I try to communicate in the best way I can. But this is the power. Of the, listen, and, I, and I, let me end off with this. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. Very well known scripture. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now, what did the people understand under salvation? The Jewish people believe that if they lived righteous, they shall be saved, having immortality. Having the life of God in them. Being in the very image and likeness of God. This gospel is the power of God making you like God giving you immortality in the return of Jesus and the nature of God in this life thank you Jesus that's what we can believe and that's what we can expect you know I've, I've, uh, um, I've seen it many times people come to the gospel of grace the first time they believe it they're so happy you know we go out we do some things we would never do before um, you know like <laughs> I, I'm honest, I found some people, you know, they will go and really do things, maybe get drunk or something, you know, because they always wanted to under the law, but they were too scared, now they did it, and then find that that destroys their lives. Listen, it's good, you can go and do something like that. You know, let, I don't say it's good, you can do something like that, it will not be good for you, it will destroy your life, it will not say that you're not saved, it will not say that God doesn't love you, but it can destroy your life. If you've done that, and you're in that place where you find that you don't want to go to church, you don't want to have anything to do with anybody that preaches. I mean, let me tell you something. I found people that so hurt under the law, they got so hurt under the law, that they're not even willing to listen to a grace message now, but they believe it's in grace. The law is still living in your life, my friend. The law is still living in your life. You're still under the law. You, still, you wouldn't even listen to Jesus. Because he was a preacher conducting meetings where people would come and listen. You wouldn't even be at one of his meetings. And I don't want to condemn you. What I want to tell you is the law is killing you, my friend. Get free. The gospel is the power of God unto life, uh, unto, unto salvation. We don't live as born again grace believers in rebellion against the law. We live, live in belief in the gospel of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And the law is our friend. And it was our friend in this way to point out 
that we cannot be saved by our works. Thank God for the law that could show that to us so that we don't have to live by it. Thank you, Jesus. We don't want to use the law for salvation. Use it for the correct purpose. Thank you for that, God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for everybody that's watched this message, that's watching it right now. I thank you that they are loved by you. I thank you they will know they're not condemned for their works, that I will never condemn them for their bad works, if they've got any. Um, But they will know that there is a fullness of life that we've been saved unto. And that we can go and say, thank you, Lord, that grace can be multiplied to us by acknowledging God. And this is our acknowledgement. We acknowledge that the full knowledge of Jesus. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge that the, the, the temperance and the patience and the long-suffering and all those things that comes as a result of your Spirit in us. And we see the fruit of that manifesting in our lives. Thank you for that, Father. We don't have to try to bear that, but we can call it forth by acknowledging that that is what you have also given us expecting the manifestation of that by the Holy Spirit, not our own works. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen and Amen. Thank you so much for joining me um, in this live broadcast. We've come to the end of our session and uh, I believe that you've been blessed by this message. God loves you so much and remember that you can always, always enjoy the grace of God. Amen.